is the Three Preachers Podcast, featuring three preachers talking about life, church, and of course, the Word of God. And now, welcome to the Three Preachers Podcast. I said a hip hop, the hip it, the hip it, the hip hip hop, you don't stop the rock and do the bang bang boogie, say up, jump the boogie, do the rhythm of the boogie. It is everybody's favorite day of the week. It is Thursday. And it's everybody's favorite day of the week because the Three Preachers podcast drops on Thursday. Weird. Unless they're listening to it on a Friday. Oh, that's true. Then your favorite day of the week is Friday. Friday. Your favorite day is whenever. What? You now, could to Sunday the be their favorite day? Sunday should be their Depends. favorite day, actually. What about Monday? I could see that. Tuesday? That's reasonable. Now, hold on. Crazy thought. What about Wednesday? Yeah, I think that's a possibility. Anything's possible, Chris. Anything is possible. <laughs> that is a uh, <laughs> scene. Uh, and that is scene. me and David. We uh, are Jim and Dwight from the office. We are the three preachers in the Three Preachers podcast. We have Chris, who is the intellect, the brain. He brings all the knowledge and drops it on us. That's pretty scary. We have Devin, who's here for the twenty-one to thirty-five demographic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he brings the Just youth. Drawn, to our drawing them all in. Drawing them all in. <laughs> And uh, I'm here. I am the um, the masculinity and the there musk of the three preachers. The, the bearded one. <laughs> on that musk. <laughs> no, I said musk, not must. Oh, okay. Before we came on air, David was administering his beard oil. <laughs> it, was a, it was a whole thing. It was an entire... Uh, I can't routine what I'm trying to say. Smoking Chris his. was popping pills. <laughs> David was <laughs> David was rubbing his beard oil, oil in. <laughs> I was in my the Snickers. No one's, one's taking his towel all over there. <laughs> yeah, they should. See, we should do like a what we do to prep for the podcast kind <laughs> the, of video. The pre-podcast <laughs> podcast. <laughs> pre-podcast. They're just like I don't know. It could be like a pump-up video of just like what we're doing beforehand. I don't think you have real dramatic music and like cool shots, like. You know, Chris putting the pills, <laughs> taking the swiggle on, oil dripping from his beard, combing it, combing it through. <laughs> Tylenol just to survive the pot. With the pot. <laughs> oh, man. Well, fellas, how's your week been? It's all right. He's still delirious. Mm. <clears throat> he's not sleeping yet? You're not getting more than three hours? You know? Come on, the kid's like two He's waking up now. to eat for whatever reason. Oh, jeez. Kids are so needy. For real. Get your own bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, feed your own self. What in the world? Sure, you got to le- learn to use your hands and arms and coordination and all that. That Details. might take a little while. Just wait till post 50, you'll be delirious for no reason. Your kids wow. will sleep through the night and you'll still be delirious. That is a very grim future. It is. And your kids will still be needy. And, he, and they already know they'll how to be, use their hands. There, there'll be more com- complexity to their neediness. I'm thinking, Dad. I need emotional validation. Oh, you know, I will be. I will be 50 by the time you know. Say Cohen leaves at 18, I would be 50. Very similar. Yeah. I uh, if my kids leave at 18, I only have six years left. So hey, I go, will man? be 44. What go? That's still hey, pretty I'll, young, dude. That's pretty started young. Father started yeah, young. That's good. Get them suckers done and out of the way. I mean. Wanted to shower love on them and stuff. <laughs> and then new season. Your <laughs> yeah. love takes another form. <laughs> when Anna Grace graduates high school, I'll be 56. 
Yikes. I'll be those old. Because you'll go to graduation. I did this, actually, at my kids' graduations, the, the two older ones, and you size everybody up. And you look at the other parents and going, do I look as old as they look? Yeah. I'm going to be that old parent at her graduation where there's some other parent looking at that person going, man, that, that guy's really old to have a kid that's my goal graduating. Is, my goal is to be at that graduation just to see if anybody introduces or asks if you're her grandfather. Well, that is what I wanna, that's what I want to see. Today, once again, a kid at Westgate Christian School asked if I was Devin's father. So I was like, thanks. <laughs> Who's your dad? Is that him? That's what it was. So now I walk around looking like a father to everybody. Well, if y'all stop walking that down just the means halls together. I look youthful, <clears throat> though. That doesn't mean that he looks old. I mean, right, I mean, David? Y- yes, yes. Yeah. Right. Sure. See, Chris? As that. the elite you minister, look, absolutely. Oh, yeah. You're very young looking, Chris. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell the gray at all. <laughs> <laughs> or the pessimism. <laughs> <laughs> or the, the crotchiness. Yeah. It's true that as you get older, you get really cynical. Like people will say stuff. Oh, like, oh whatever. It's gonna get worse. <laughs> it's gonna get worse. Yeah, so, David is headed down a you dark path that out yet? quick. <laughs> I'm not even forty. He is yet. barreling down that road. <laughs> I'm already there, just without the age. I am. Well, <laughs> I, without the. You're 50. almost forty. Oh, shut up. Why? Uh, right, you're about to be 39. Yes. Yeah, you're almost there. In like what? Three weeks? Two weeks? Three something weeks. like that. The 17th. 11th. I saw yeah, on social media something like that. <laughs> okay. A young lady I taught in high school <clears throat> turned 40 today, and it made me feel really old. Because like I taught her when she was in high school. And wow. She was celebrating her 40th birthday today. That's cool. That's sad. You're teaching young. Wasn't that young? You just waited too late to have kids. That's just what I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there at you. Yeah, Car- Carlin. Uh, Car- yeah, it's Carlin. What was it 25 when Carlin that's was born? Young. 24. And you're 51? Yeah. That's really that not right? that young. I mean, that's that's 26. Yeah. 26 is pretty young to have mm-hmm. a kid. 26 is when she was born. Not when you're... David, was you can't that's compare right. the world to your life. Okay? <laughs> okay, first of all... We would all be in... First of all, <laughs> I was like 20... Wait, how old was I? I was like 22 or 23 when yeah. I was born, so chill. That's so... But see, like my dad, when he was your age, he already had like six grandkids. So, wow, that's crazy. Because yeah, he like, start. started when he was nineteen. <laughs> Dude, my great grandmother Olive, who we named Olive after, she was married at thirteen. Oh, yeah, my aunt was he married was, at he 14. was twenty-one, and she was thirteen. I had two aunts get married at fourteen. My mom and dad were not married. <laughs> Emotional damage. <laughs> I was present at the wedding. You just couldn't see me. Emotional. Emotional damage. Hey, Chris, uh, I got a new bit. Okay. Or hopefully. If this doesn't work, we'll never do it again. Right. If if you're listening to this and you don't know Chris, Chris is one of the rare humans that I've met who either is highly opinionated on something or doesn't care at all. There is no middle. There is no middle. It's not like he, oh, I'm interested in this. It's either no opinion whatsoever or strongly opinionated. Mm-hmm. So I it's thought... pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> it is. It's very accurate. I thought maybe we could do like some, some news stories and then ask, what do you think about that, Chris? What do you think? Damn. Yeah, and Chris, you've got 10 seconds for response. That's hard. Yeah. For, you're if you're really opinionated, give your opinion 10 seconds, but like strong, like convince people. Otherwise... But if I don't have an opinion, do I say nothing? Yeah, we'll just skip. Okay. Just say next. Okay. All right, now, now you have not heard these before. Well, I don't even know if you know what we're talking about, but we have not talked about this before. Okay. Chris has no idea what these are. So I think the big news story coming out of this week 
is the writer strike is over. They have struck a deal with the Hollywood studios. Chris, what do you think about that? Skip. But movies, Chris. This is a question for Hollywood. David. Shut down. Is... All right. Yeah. All right, here's probably, your second probably one. Probably for the better. Here's your second one. Now, this one is in your world. Mm, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. This is in the sports world. Mm, okay. So, I know you got an opinion on this. Mm. Everybody's talking. Mm. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Chris, what you think about that? Oh, me. Um, I did see the outfit that... Kelsey wore to the an game. Opinion, an opinion. Here we go. Did you see, it was all denim. It was all denim outfit <laughs> yes, that he wore into yes, the stadium. Yes. No, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like, is this a good thing or a, if he plays better? I guess I don't know. Has Has anybody's life been better after dating Taylor Swift? I don't know. I don't know. Devin, can I, I'm staying out of it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know song. much about Taylor Swift. I, Man, I, I thought he was about to be. I was about to just lose it because you were going to be opinionated on Travis Kelsey <laughs> and Taylor Swift. Here's all I know about Taylor Swift is she she sang some songs at one point in her life that my kids liked. Mm. But then fact. I've been told by my wife that she's kind of veered off path. So I do know that about her. Mm. I don't know what that means. But that's about my level of understanding. Of. Fair. But I do know mm. Travis Kelsey's the greatest tight end in football right now. Mm. By, by far. Give it a few months, Taylor Swift, to ruin that. Well, if that's the case, then I will learn to have an opinion of Taylor Swift. <laughs> Not even about her music or it's the fact Because I do. Travis I appreciate Kelsey. what they do. I like Andy Reid. I, I like – I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I do appreciate Patrick Mahomes, and I enjoy watching him play. And I like Travis Kelsey. It, it, you know, his exuberance and love for the game, I enjoy watching the Chiefs play. I really do. Hmm. All right, well, last one. Okay. Last news article. You gotta dig deep. All right. This is also in your realm. Okay. This is right up your alley. Big news story came out this week. It was even in the New York Times. This is that, that makes and it this legit. is more this is more serious. Like this is this affects all of us at some point. Scientists have said they know for a fact now that there will be an extinction level event in which well, basically they said if we don't stop burning fossil fuels right now. Uh oh. I knew it. This is going to happen. Apparently, we're all going to die in 250 million years. Wow. Chris, what do you think about that? Get your life right. You know. <laughs> Doesn't that, Get your house yeah. in order. Doesn't that create some urgency in you? <laughs> right, yeah, uh, I mean, like. right now. <laughs> this is how the world's going to end, here's my opinion. Somewhere in a lab, a scientist <laughs> is going to say, wow, that worked. <laughs> <laughs> Man's last words. That's it. <laughs> this is like hey, a far. We did it. That looked, <laughs> that'd make a Yay! good, a good Far Side cartoon. <laughs> My favorite Far Side cartoon is. Did you, Did y'all like the cart? I have a book. Gary Larson. I have a book of. Far they Side they are hilarious. So there's. <laughs> every time I see this, I get cracked up. But it's, it's like knights charging a castle, and there's this. You know, drawbridge. They they've dropped the the gate down. Is that what you call it? Drawbridge. I don't sure. know. Yeah, sounds good. So it's it's over the moat, and all these knots are stopping, and they point in the water. And he says, "Look, goldfish." It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> The other one's the deer with the bullseye as a birthmark, and the guy says, "What an unfortunate <laughs> birthmark." <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> I guess now we know what we need to get Chris talking about is far side comics. It's almost hilarious. like he's 
<laughs> I just I just wanted to know what you thought about you know life ending as we know it in 250 million years. I mean, it would affect your great, 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 great. I don't even know how far that is. You got you got to go a little while. Great, 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 great. More than five. <laughs> great, 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 great. More than five. Great. You know what? I'll just it's just know in my head the whole time you're talking. I'm going to be saying great, and we'll yeah. eventually get there. How do they extrapolate this stuff though? What kills me like how they well, come I, up with these? I love when Rick and Bubba. One of them said, "You can't even accurately." predict it's going to rain tomorrow how do you know what's going to happen 250 million so years true. from now you know when we were in school this is before y'all were born they had this we'll all be living it'd be like a giant mall the ozone layer is going to be gone like completely depleted and we'll have to live indoors and there's like imagine like a giant mall and we're all living inside this huge structure and that would that maybe sounds, there'd be skylights where the sun would come in. And that, that sounds was kind it. of awesome. I, mean, <clears throat> I think they made a movie, Highlander 2, actually, is about that. <laughs> well, for me, I think it's just like a matter of <clears throat> striking fear in the hearts of people when really we should have a fear of the Lord, and especially as demonstrated through our worship. Good segue. So, Chris. It's <laughs> a great segue. So, Chris. Worship. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking you going. Where are you going with this? And oh, oh, that was that was Devin's I really thought assignment. Devin was about to be really serious. Yeah, that. that was Devin's assignment. I thought he's about to chastise. Segway is from trusting in science. <laughs> You're welcome. Like not to not to a Libre but live in science. What do you mean you've never been baptized? <laughs> I believe in science. Well, I mean, Devin got us there. We're talking about worship. Worship. Continuing the conversation from last week about worship. Uh, if you're if you didn't listen last week, last week we talked about Old Testament worship, uh, some of the practices, and today the goal is to see how that uh, transitions into the New Testament or how that affects New Testament worship, and ultimately why that um, or how that affects us today, not just not the church as a whole, but like specifically Westgate. Yeah, I think when we look at the shape of our worship, you can go back to the New Testament. You can see a certain pattern emerge like in the book of Acts. You can see it, especially in Luke 24 of all places on the road to Emmaus when Jesus is traveling with these two travelers. It's kind of a mysterious story. One's Cleopas, the other one we don't know their name. But Jesus starts to talk to them about his passion, you know, why he died. Remember he says, foolish and slow of hearts, you didn't really understand what the Old Testament basically said had to happen. And so he preaches a sermon to them on the road about the meaning of his death, and they still don't know that it's Jesus talking to them. And so their hearts start to burn within him as he's teaching them the word. And it's also on a Sunday, by the way. This is a Sunday this is taking place. They come to the place where they're staying. They ask Jesus to stay. And it says he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, which is the exact quotation from, I think, Luke 22. Luke 22, you get the Lord's Supper Institution narrative. So he quotes it word for word. So this is Sunday. This is the Lord's Supper is what Luke's trying to tell you. And they recognized him when he broke the bread. That's when they knew who Jesus was. So in that moment, you get like a, a snapshot into what Christian worship would be on a, on a Lord's Day. You get the ministry of the Word. The Word brings our heart to life. Uh, it cuts us up. It uh, sets us on fire. Then we come to the table of the Lord and we recognize Christ in the breaking of the bread. That, that's kind of a, that's how a lot of people interpreted that passage for a long time. I believe that's a good way to look at it. There, I mean, we don't have time to delve into Luke 24 and the intricacies of that passage, but it is fascinating what's going on there. Like there's, a, there's actually a, a connection back to Genesis where 
Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and their eyes are opened mm-hmm. to their situation, these two, their eyes are closed, but their eyes are opened by sacramental eating, by eating the bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some way, in taking of the Lord's Supper, there is a, a realization of who Christ is. Whether that's intellectual, spiritual, I can't really say, maybe both. Um, so that's your kind of macro structure, word and table. So that's the good place to start for Sunday worship. So when you come to Westgate, our, our services are, are structured around that. We have the ministry of the word, which would be the preaching and the, you could even see singing in some ways. Should be, yeah. Is instructive, but you've got the reading, the public reading of scripture. You have the word ministering to us. And what we as good ministers should do is bring the Word alive, like show people Christ in the Word, and the Word should make their hearts burn. And then we come to the Lord's table and we recognize who Christ is at the table on Sunday. So that's kind of a giant macro structure, but there's also some other overlays you could put into this that we learned last week from the sacrificial system of Israel. If y'all want to talk about that, we could... Yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, I think there's good connections there, and I think I think it's interesting to just think about how. <clears throat> I mean, how how would you say that Old Testament and if it differs, how Old Testament worship differs from New Testament worship? Yeah, that's a really good question because the first reality is Christ. So Christ fulfills all this, and so we have to ask the question: What is Christ doing now? So Christ is the perfect once and for all sacrifice that fulfills all those other sacrifices. It all comes to fruition in him. So he's the once and for all sacrifice. He dies, is buried, is resurrected after three days, ascends to the right hand of the Father. And right now he is, like Hebrews 8, 1 through 3, I'll just read a little bit of this. It says, now the point of what we are saying is this, we have such a great, I have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister, in the holy places. That word there is liturgus. Uh, he is a minister. Now, when we hear he's a minister, we think like he's doing mm-hmm. like ministry kind of stuff. Jesus is visiting the hospital and doing all, you know, <laughs> ministering like we do. But I'll come back to that. But it says, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man, for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it's necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. This word minister is referring to Old Testament, Old Testament priestly ministry, sacrificial ministry. According to the book of Hebrews, and we can't read through all these passages, but imagine Christ is at the right hand of the Father offering his sacrifice to the Father on our behalf. We have union with Christ. So when we come into the heavenly places in Christ through the Holy Spirit, we offer to the Father the sacrifice of Christ. That's what makes us right. We're in him. It's really cool when you look at Hebrews. What is Jesus doing now? He's singing praises. He's proclaiming good news. He's ministering in this true sanctuary in heaven, this holy of holies in heaven as a a priestly minister. He's interceding, and he invites us into the throne room of God. He is worshiping and being worshiped at the same time. It's, It's really complicated when you think about it. And when we think about our worship being acceptable, we're not like the prophets of Baal where we have to like cut ourselves up and say, God, notice us, you know, and dance around and act a fool. Our, our worship is acceptable already because we're in Christ. So as imperfect as we can do it sometimes, which does drive me crazy, y'all know it does. <laughs> Imperfectly as we can do it, because we want, like as ministers, as staff members, we want like it to be buttoned up and good because and, we care. You know, it matters to us. But even on a bad day, 
our worship is acceptable because we're in Christ and he's the once and for all sacrifice. So as we think about, okay, this pattern of worship for us, we have to get that straight. That we're in Christ. Christ is the perfect sacrifice. He is a worshiper too, and we're in him. So as we worship, we're being elevated in this heavenly place with Jesus. So he's present with us, which is interesting. Uh, there's some old Christian liturgies that would say things like, with ang- angels and archangels, let us lift our voices. We believe as Christians, like the book of Ephesians teaches, we're here on earth, but we're also elevated into the heavenlies. <clears throat> One sidebar, too, to say to people, and this is, I got a question about this recently. A lot of people are into individual worship, like they think that's really important. I think that's important, too. But we're neglecting a principle in the Bible like there's places in the Old Testament, like Psalm 87, where it says the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than the houses of Jacob. God loves corporate worship more. Now that is scandalous to people, but you, there's other places. There's five or six places in the Psalter where it makes the point that God desires corporate worship. He doesn't. He doesn't discount your individual, private. Like even Asaph, there's a place where Asaph is struggling with something individually. And he says, I did not get my answer from the Lord until I came into the assembly, into the sanctuary. Hmm. So there's something about assembled worship that is a big deal in Scripture. Well, and I think the symbol is it's a reflection of the Trinity. The Trinity, they do, they do not do things as individuals. They do things as a corporate, quote-unquote, entity. And if we're supposed to reflect that genuinely, that's not done on our own. You don't have... I don't know, and I know this is weird to say too. You do have a private relationship with God. You do. There is a, a repentance that has to be between you and God and a genuineness and a heart turned towards Him. But ultimately, your worship and devotion should be reflected in the way that you uphold, respect, and honor other people and come together in the corporate worship. Because yeah. I think that's what's beautiful about the relationship you, sh- you see between Christ and the Father is that Christ is always about glorifying God, and God is always about glorifying the Son. And that's their whole relationship. Okay, so you want to be like God, you want to be like Christ, then reflect that in, in every <clears throat> aspect of your life, including your worship. Should you abandon corporate worship to go do, have individual worship? Absolutely not. Should you also have individual worship? Absolutely. Like there's a there's a balance there that we need to understand. I, I would say that private worship is important. That is a, a, a sign of sincerity and a passion for God. <clears throat> who, who was it? I can't remember who said it now, but the, the, the idea that God, God loves the church uh, not in uh, despising the individual and loves the individual in not despising the church. I can't remember exactly how he says that, but it's like this. Both are extremely important. You don't let one suffer for the other yeah. one. And so for me, what that all comes back to is I think our worship, and you go back to the early church, and while there were so many discussions about who Christ was and all these Christological controversies and why all these documents have to be written up in the 4th century about who Jesus is, is because they recognize who he is, recognizing him as God, and then that begins to play out in their worship. And, and how do you bring Christ and because of what's revealed in Scripture and through Christ, the Holy Spirit. And so now our, our worship is, I believe, in some ways markedly different than the Old Testament in yeah. that we have a greater revelation of who God is. And so the Trinity is meant to be, it should be displayed 
And I think what we're talking about here, what we'll get into about the five C's of our worship, yeah, that's where they can be properly recognized. And I think that's what makes it. That's an excellent point. Beautiful. I give you, y'all are, we've all agreed, y'all are much better with analogies and speaking than I am. So I'm going to try. That really is David's talent. I think David's Yeah, David is great at it. I'm not the illustration guy. He's really good at it. So David. Can you tell my wife that? She doesn't know (laughs) the illustrations. No, I think they're great. Like you did one the other day just off the cuff, like from a class reunion. I was like, that's an excellent point. Um, but right, I'm going to try. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to channel my inner David. <laughs> oh, here we go. This could be interesting. This is going to be a giant flop, but I'm going to try. You can't make a good omelet with rotten eggs. And yeah, you're stepping into Jason territory here with his pancake you thing. Flip the okay. pancake. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is a, you channeled with yeah. Jason and David. So, <laughs> I got to get a little bit more excited. <laughs> but what I mean by that is you need solid devotion from individuals to bring this collective good together Mm. so rotten eggs make a bad omelet but all the great eggs in the world does not mean you need an omelet Mm. i don't know if that made sense i think i follow you some point you need the omelet the omelet is the point the assembly we come together so you want a lot of healthy eggs to make a good omelet so we do need to have healthy spiritual lives and i think what you're saying too about the trinity is important and when you think about trinitarian worship it's through the work of Jesus to the Father by the Spirit. It's kind of the way you'll you'll see it in Scripture. Well, Ephesians, what I got here, Ephesians two eighteen, through Christ we both, Jew and Gentile, have access to the Father by one Spirit. Yeah, that's exactly it. So to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you get into like, so I'm 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 going to try to get my Christology solid here, then we'll jump into our five C's of worship. I mean, letter C, five C's. So we get our Christologically Christ. Christology straight. Christ is the risen Lord, the God-man at the right hand of the Father. He is the ministering Son. I mean, He is the Son of God, member of the Trinity, but He is also in heaven offering worship on our behalf to the Father. He is there located in heaven, and that's a localized presence for Christ, the right hand of the Father, that's why he says in the Gospels, it's better he goes to the Father, he'll send the Spirit. So through the Holy Spirit, he can be with us in all times and all places. That's where we get the eminence of Christ. He can be anywhere through the power of the Spirit. So us, through the Holy Spirit, somehow, mystically, we're drawn into Christ, into the heavenlies. Now, how can we reflect that in our worship on a Sunday? So let's think pattern. Now, if you're from the Churches of Christ, you know patternism, but this is a different kind of patternism. Behold the pattern. <laughs> yeah, behold the pattern. <laughs> the pattern of the tabernacle. Seeking the old paths. Yeah. <laughs> Thou shalt not offer strange fire, David. <laughs> but, uh, Somebody's going to fit it now. Move on, move on. All right. If we're going to follow a pattern that we find in Scripture that's theological, it helps to look at, okay, how did people approach God? That's not changed. It was transfigured and fulfilled in Christ, but it's not changed. So if we go back and we said, okay, last week, let's review. We had the sin offering, purification for sin, number one, had to happen. Then there had to be consecration through the, the burnt offering. And then there was a celebration of shalom peace through the peace offering. Those three, That's your pattern, those three, to go into God's presence. So that's transfigured in the New Testament by Christ. So how do we reflect that in our worship and teach our people, like, I think when you come into the assembly, it should help them see this is what you have in Christ. So what we do at Westgate is we have a call to worship. Now, you think about that. That makes sense. Jesus talks about, I know there's debate about what he meant by, you know, when 
two or three are gathered in my name, there I am amongst them. People go, well, that may not be assembly. Point is, you're coming together with other Christians for a purpose. So we're calling for a purpose. We're not coming together to play bingo. We're not coming together to talk about the Super Bowl. We are coming to worship the risen Lord. So there's a purpose in that call. Uh, I think that's really important, being called. 1 Corinthians 14, you get this, uh, verse 23, if therefore the whole church comes together, like this coming together of the church, then later in that passage, he says, you know, if an outsider walks in and sees your worship and things are going like they should, he says he will worship God and declare that God is really among them. So we're coming together. We want God to come into our presence. So there's a call out of the world. There's your, there's your first C. And then the next is a cleansing and this would be our, this is where we get into the threefold pattern at this point. So the first step in the threefold pattern you find in the Old Testament is purification. Well, we've already been purified in Christ. But it's good to remind our people that we can go into God's presence because we forget. I mean, we're creatures that forget. So every week it's good to have this reset. And it kind of neat. God's always had this seven-day pattern of resetting, whether it's Sunday or Saturday. It's always been a seven-day pattern. The time of cleansing for us is we do a prayer of confession and a statement of assurance. And all that means is it gives our people time to corporately confess sin. Almost, hey, I've invited you to my house. The Lord says, come on over to my house on Sunday. Wipe your feet off before you come in the door. So we're wiping our spiritual feet off like this. Our confession, and then like David sometimes does it when he's leading worship, um, Sometimes the, the person leading the prayer does this, but we want to tell people, hey, you have assurance now of salvation. Like you are, not that we have the power to absolve sins, but Christ has absolved you of your sin. That's your purification offering. So that's, 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 that's your first two C's. So you're called for a purpose to come together as God's church for a purpose. You are, you are cleansed of your sin. It's just a reminder. You've already been cleansed, but it's a reminder of what Christ has done for you. Can we park on that one for a second? Sure. Because I think that's, and I think we've talked about this before, I think that's the biggest problem for most people Mm -hmm. is not liking or not understanding having to do a prayer of confession. Yeah. And why why do we think that is? You know, not trying to speak for people or, or whatever, but, you know, the more I think about it, like have we lost the idea that we are capable of sin? And we've lost the idea that sin is an obstacle of come like that stands between me and God. And if I'm gonna say, Oh, I have no sin coming into worship right now, I'm fooling myself, like first John tells me. So like I, I, I guess I I mean I wholeheartedly agree that we have forgiveness and redemption in Jesus. But man, how many times do you think you're walking into worship free from sin and yeah. you don't need a time of confession before. I mean, Jesus kind of gives room for that in Matthew 5. He says, hey, you're coming here to offer your gifts. Well, if you've got something between you and your brother, you need to go fix that first. I was thinking of that passage. That's a great point. You know, in church history, what developed because of this was, um, I forgot the name of the word that has a specific word, but the confession where you go to a priest and you confess. If you've got grave sin before you come to Mass, you need to go to confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't know if the Catholics do that on Sunday. If they offer confession on Sunday, or maybe it's Saturday. I don't know what day of the week. I should. I should have looked that up. But for bringing that up, but that developed for that very reason is to get yourself right before you come to worship. Like, and I think that's an. It could be an impediment too. And you don't even realize it. Like you've got odd against a brother. Like think about First Corinthians eleven. Paul makes 
I think what Paul is saying there in 1 Corinthians 11 is one way you invalidate the Lord's Supper is you don't discern the body, the church, properly. Yeah, you got people that are hungry and hurting, and you're going about eating. You're, you're not thinking about it. It might go back to that. It's you and, and it's not. It's you and God, and it's not the the corporate body. That's it. Yeah, you're, you're not thinking about those horizontal relationships because your sin may not. And your sin may not be just. We're we're good with making those private confessions to God, but we don't do so well when we we can't acknowledge we've hurt people around us. Yep. And we all do it unknowingly sometimes, but like if you like self-awareness and you're like a motorboat running through hurting everybody's feelings or, you know, you're cranky 51-year-old all the time, you know. But you need to make things right with people if possible. But what, what I, I think you're, you're making a good point that we have been so influenced by evangelifish um, that there's this sense of, and I, I'm not trying uh, to be no, controversial know, here, but once but saved, always saved. Yeah. Just once saved, always saved notion. Or, Easy uh, grace, cheap grace. Like it's just, you know, uh, I just live however I want bad. to. Just to be clear, when he said evangelifish, he was talking about evan- evangelical. Oh, my. You can't <laughs> even say it. You the word. Evan- <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like this amorphous blob of Christianity. Where but we like, don't like to. Jesus just is it a thing where we don't like to feel bad? Yeah. And that kind of blows my mind. Having a contrite heart's a good thing. Contriteness, yeah. and that's what I, God loves in a person. I was chastised not long ago by someone that, you know, a more mature Christian, saying we shouldn't grovel in our sin. You know, but one of the more famous prayers in church history is the Jesus Prayer. It's been around for two thousand years. Jesus Christ, Son of David, have mercy on me. Yeah, have mercy on me. I mean, Kyrie eleison. You know, that was a good song in the 80s, actually, but uh, by Mr. Mr. Curie Ellison. You don't know that? Mm-mm. Okay. It's just, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And the Christians, we know they've been saying that for 2,000 years. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Yeah. When I was preaching full-time, I, looking back, maybe it wasn't the best thing to do, but I did a series on Ecclesiastes. And, you know, again, maybe not the best thing for a young guy to be taking on. But I, I, it's something I wanted to study, wanted to go through, and that's what we did. And about three weeks into it, I had a deacon come up to me and say, uh, when are you going to be done with this? And you know, at that point, I was like, I, I don't really have it planned out. I mean, probably a couple more weeks. And he said, because I'm tired of coming to church and being beat up and made to feel bad. And the sarcastic out of me wanted to come out and be like, well, that's not me. That's, that's the spirit of God. <laughs> yeah. I'm not making you feel guilty. Your guilty conscience is making you feel yeah, guilty. Yeah. But it was that idea of, of come and make me feel better about myself. Well, yeah. confession doesn't make me feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, to answer your question, I don't think people, I know people are not opposed to confession. Everybody sitting in church knows that confession is part of the relationship with God. It is that. It's that, that idea that we have to come together and put masks on and pretend like we've got it all together or pretend like we don't struggle or pretend like we're all all right. And that prayer of confession shatters that yeah. like for us to admit openly. Well, I think it also might be a, a prideness of heart of saying, I know I have forgiveness in Jesus, and then skipping the confession part. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, oh, I know I, know I have this in Jesus. But you're actually just skipping... The first John one nine part of it all, where yeah, repentance and confession. That's when God becomes a good and just God because you've repented <clears throat> and confessed, and now He's forgiving your sin. It, it's totally different to sit back here and think about, oh, God loves me, God forgives me, and then not actually doing the work of confession and repentance. Mm-hmm. And we came up with this, like as a staff, we looked at some ancient liturgies and we looked at, like theologically, why 
we're trying to be helpful for our church. Like we wanted, like I needed that. And I thought this would be well received. I'm so glad Westgate's done this. I've never been in a church that did this. Never. Yeah. Never. And it, but it helps you so where you can confess. Me. Like you, you can yeah. get it. Like that's my time where I, where that person leading me is I'm really yes plugging into what they're saying. And when they say those things, I'm like, yes, that's me. Like that's exactly who I am. Like who did like was Scott, who did it last week? Scott. Scott did a really good job with that because everything he said, I was like, man, Scott is like talking yep. about me today. But then when he was done, I was like, okay, now it's time to worship. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what we're hoping, like joy comes into your heart. It like, should. Man, that's what should be. You've laid curated. this off your heart. Yeah. I've got assurance, and now we should raise the rafters mm-hmm. with our song. Like, we should that be next song up. should be like that. Should be if we're measuring it like on decibels. You know, yeah. that's the loudest like everyone a jet is. taking off an aircraft carrier. Yeah. <laughs> you're like almost persuaded or something right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> Night with Evan Pinion. You know, this is right just a that. real banger. Right almost <laughs> persuaded. This order of worship is okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. But the All next, right, sorry, that was no, it's good. Yeah. I'm glad you stopped this because that's the one segment most of people that I've talked to at here at Westgate that have been a little bit confused. Like, why are we doing this? But that's huge because that is, okay, so that is the transfiguration. I, just, I like that word today. Transfiguration of the purification offering. That's Christ. He is, so what we're saying, so remember, Jesus is in heaven. We're in Christ. So imagine that moment. We're praying that prayer of confession. We are in Christ going, Father, hear our prayer. Our offering is your son. Like That is our substitute, our sacrifice. And I unashamedly say, Jesus is my substitute, my sacrifice. I I'm not ashamed of that. I'm ashamed of my sin that put him on the cross, but I'm thankful for that. Like, I can come before you because I'm in Christ. The next part's the consecration. Remember the Ola offering, the whole burnt offering? So that you consecrate yourself. Now, what happens in the whole burnt offering? You take a knife and you cut the victim up into pieces and you burn them completely up. So Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What the word does through the preached word and the sung word and the the Bible reading word is we are cut up by the word. Like We're cut up and now we offer ourselves. So what's the proper response at that moment of consecration would be Romans 12. I'm, I'm a living sacrifice. The word on a Sunday should cut me to the heart. The word speaks to me. My heart's burning, right? And now I'm offering myself as a, I'm consecrated to God. And then the next progression would be, the next C would be communion. The Lord's Supper is our peace offering. We're with Christ in heaven. He is the host. He's there. And we're like, man, I have shalom with Christ. As I take the bread and the wine, uh, I am receiving that in faith, receiving spiritual blessing. I'm receiving food for this pilgrim journey, just like the manna in the wilderness. I'm following Jesus. I've had the Red Sea event through baptism, and he's feeding me on this pilgrim journey through the supper, and I, it's celebratory. Now, I, I know we got to discern the body. I get what 1 Corinthians 11 is saying. There's some seriousness to it too, but it's also celebratory because I have shalom and peace. So imagine we're like Mo- Moses and the... 70 elders and Nadab, Abihu, and Aaron that go up on Mount Sinai in Exodus 24, and we can see into heaven like we're eating in God's presence. So there's your, your next C. Let me back up. So we had call, 
We had uh, cleansing, we had consecration, then we had communion. We're communing with God through the peace offering, through the Lord's Supper. And then you can't stay here. So the assembly, as good as it is, we love it. Once again, we're being sent out. And what we ask our shepherds to do, our spiritual leadership at Westgate, is to commission the congregation. So we end every service with a commission where they're saying, um, okay, here's what we did today. You go out and be crossed. You've been filled with Christ. You've communed with Christ. You've been energized with the, the Spirit and His spiritual gifts in Christ. Go out and use them. And you come back next week, we'll recharge you again and send you out one more time. That's it. That, that's kind of our order of worship at Westgate in a nutshell. We use five C's to do that. I think it's important just to, for, especially if you go to Westgate, to know there is a reason why that's why we do what we do. There's scriptural bases. There's historical bases. Um, I also think it's important for people to know that, um, you know, we're not just flying by the seat of our pants every week. Like there is a lot of thought, a lot of prayer, a lot of effort put in, a lot of planning into it. Um, if something makes you wonder, like, if you're just like, why are we doing that? Um, you know, you should ask and, and understand that it's there for a reason. It's not, it's not just something that we willy nilly heard somebody else do and so we did it yeah. um, we even have a worship committee that you're a part of that you're on yeah you have an elder on it you're on it two staff members and two members and it's a big deal it's planned out and I, I mean that's and i've never been at a church before that this much thought and effort goes into sunday mornings like you know when you say the pattern you know sometimes people think oh yeah the pattern three songs of prayer two songs communion a song offering um but no, it's much deeper than that. Um, I know this one was kind of long today. Uh, we're at 41 minutes. Oh, that's <laughs> not near as bad as <laughs> well, If we haven't put them to sleep already, why don't we sing Almost Persuaded? Let me get my pitch pack out. I said pitch pike. That's okay. Buddy. No, uh, so. It's okay, old man at church used uh, to say that. I think it would be, <clears throat> I don't know if anyone would be down for this, but like spending more time and walking through like those aspects. I think it's really easy to fly, fly through them, but like the importance of preaching. At Three Preachers Podcast, we may sh- we maybe well, should talk, talk about that. Is the one thing we haven't talked about? Yeah. <laughs> other preachers, other preachers are going up. These guys don't talk anything about. It. <laughs> talk about preaching and talk about communion and talk about commissioning. Like that might be a singing too. Good thing to do. It's a big one. So why don't we sing? Yeah. Because I bet we got to this whole worship talk and people were. They never quoted Ephesians five nineteen or Colossians three sixteen and you know things like I think when people think about New Testament worship or you know people in the group in the church cross thinking about worship they think about those particular things and we didn't even address any of those. Well, those are like little micro structures within the macro. Yeah, the macros to me matters big. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. So spend some time going over those macro, which maybe that's more word and table. I don't know if you're saying the five C's or my. my Macro and micro. We'll call it macro because I guess those are big micro. segments and then so there's parts that fill those like in. Macro episodes on uh, those elements. Because I, I would love to talk about public reading and scripture. One, that's a big deal. Yeah. Why does Paul even bring that up to Timothy? What's that all about? David, well, make it happen. Fellas, sounds like we have the next uh, 27 weeks of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do an Ecclesiastes. Series. Next week, we're going to talk about which songs are acceptable and which ones are not. When you mentioned Ecclesiastes, I thought, I know we're like, this is the podcast that ate America. And most people have tuned out by now. But those that stayed all this time. Alan this Dixon. Bonus. Here's bonus content. Bonus content. <laughs> yeah. 
When I think of like the wisdom literature, you guys are like Proverbs and I'm Ecclesiastes. Because Proverbs is... <laughs> well, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Someone's got to be Song of Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, just I'm saying. almost 40. So we'll just we'll let Jason me. be Song of Solomon. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> um, Proverbs is like upbeat, it's positive, you know, do these things and live a wise life and good things happen for you. And then Ecclesiastes is like the cynical man with a pop that sits back and says, it's all vanity. Yeah. It's all, the, it's worthless. That's me at a staff meeting. Y'all have like a great a, idea, and I'll be like, oh, it's going to stink. There's a, there's a meme. It's Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, uh, Proverbs Ecclesiastes, and it's got Willem Dafoe in different <laughs> stages of his life. That, that's great. It's so funny. All right, sorry. I'll be quiet. It's good. You know, that's actually a good idea for a future podcast. Well, Let's do like some kind of giveaway at the end of a really long podcast oh. and see who actually Ooh. is still there. At the end. If you listen, you get a Kit Kat Sunday. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> that's wow. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll brainstorm. We'll brainstorm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kit so, Kats yeah, yeah well, maybe, maybe Snickers. I don't know. Well, well, definitely, can, definitely more than just Kit Kat. All right, Devin, take us out. I don't remember how to take us out. Oh, my goodness. We pray that you're looking for ways to love and serve your neighbors in genuine and sincere ways. Peace and love.